Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. I got to say something. I got to say, hey, sure. turn me back on. He's, <laughs> he has looked this young since he's been 18. So he's 65 now. Do yeah. you believe that? I just want you, I'm just telling you that. Okay? You got to respect your elders know, then, respect buddy. Well, aloha kakahiaka. That's how we say good morning in Hawaii. So I want you to practice that. Can you try that? Aloha kakahiaka. So when you see someone from Hawaii and you say that, they'll be impressed. And you instantly become family. We call it ohana. That's what family is. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Ron and Annette for uh, taking good care of Heidi and I. You have a champion pastor. I mean, this guy, just behind the scenes and all that he does, you are blessed. And I, I mean that because the, the things that is given to me in my life from them, the things that they bless Heidi and I with, is more than just people stuff. It's more than just a encouraging word or, an, or a, 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 a Bible way of living. It, it is, it's like the hand of God that comes through a person into your heart and it helps your soul to stay alive. And I think we need people like that. And Pastor Ron and Annette have been that for Heidi and I. In fact, Heidi's father passed away about seven, six years ago. And Pastor Ron and Annette were there for his um, funeral service and just their presence being there just spoke volumes. And I thought, we all need people like that in our lives. I just want to introduce you to Heidi, my wife. And she is here this morning. So, <laughs> yeah, I spring that up on her every now and then. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about an, an interesting subject that I think we all relate to. And we call it Passion. Some of us still have passion for something. Some of us lost passion. Some of us are passionate about someone. And I think when we look at that word passion, uh, a lot of emotions can come up. Different things can come up. When Heidi and I were first introduced to this church, and we came here about seven years ago, we fell in love with you. It was such a great place to be. First of all, we fell in love with Oregon, just coming here because of the people and when I came here to this church, it just felt so home. It feels so, I felt so at home here. And the way you all love one another, how you love your community, uh, it's just remarkable. You are people who not just come to church, but you also are the church. You love people and you go back into your workplaces and your community and you reach people for Jesus in ways that you may not realize that you're reaching them. You may think, well, I'm not giving them scripture or Bible verses or things like that, but the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. So just by your lifestyle and the way you live, it makes an impact in the communities that you live in. So when Heidi and I came here and we, we saw that, we felt the love, it was, if Heidi and I were to retire, this is where we would want to live. You have Christmas trees everywhere. We were blown away. That's Heidi's favorite time of the year, which becomes mine because it's hers, and she becomes happy and happy wife, happy, yeah, happy life. So everywhere that we go is just beautiful. Your water here is freezing cold. You know, the ones that come through the pipe, just the pipe water, 
I'm thinking, is this like Mount Hood water? I don't know where the water comes from, but it's, it's, just, it's just freezing cold. In fact, we were in California. We were with Pastor Ron and Annette at that same conference. Flying to California, my wife Heidi says, there's no greenery because it's, I mean, it's just city, right? And just flat. And there's trees here and there. And it's so dry there. In fact, when we flew in here, uh, Heidi and I looked at each other and we said, look how many trees. Yes, Oregon. And you could just feel in the air your body just soaking in some water from being in the desert in California. And when we came here, it was, it was just so green and, and, and the air and, and the atmosphere it just feels like there's so much life here. And I thought about that from the desert to an oasis is like life. That we have our dry times. We have times where we're not passionate anymore. We just live day by day. Or like our work. We work from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, or weekends, or a night shift, or an early morning. And we just do the routine. And what was, what was something that we were passionate about before... Now is something that we do just because it's our job to do. Or having children. Remember when you first had your baby? It's like, oh, you're so cute. And then 15 years old, it's like, get out of the house. Go, go play outside. Go do something else. Or, or when you first get married. You know the newlyweds because they're all over each other. They're hanging on to each other so tight. But as you get married and as you go on in years, it, it slowly, slowly fades away. And you still love each other. But that passionate, you know, close by kind of thing is, you know, when you go to sleep, it's like, move, move, move. You're hot. You're hot. You're hot. Move away. Move away. So it's like you become more distant. You still love each other. That's how you know when people are married longer because when they're walking like in the mall or something, they're farther from each other. Or when they close the door in the car, they don't open the door anymore. And sometimes you do, and that's great. But when you're walking, when you're new in a relationship, you're side by side. And then a year goes by, two years, three years. And then you're farther and farther, and the wife is gone, or the husband is gone, and the wife is behind, or the husband is behind. It's like every year, eight inches are added for every year you've been married for distance. And you watch. You'll see that happen. And sometimes you think, ah, he's going to go do his thing. She's going to do her thing. And so there's a distance there. But it happens. Passion, passion gets lost over the years. Something needs to fuel our passion. It can't be just new things because new things become older. You buy a new phone. Six months later, the new one comes out. You're like, ah, oh, I should have waited you buy a new computer. Six months later, the best one comes out. Oh, I should have waited. You buy a brand new car. You see billions of people with it. Oh, I thought I had the only one. Passion goes away. It goes away so quickly. How do we keep that passion going? When we went into one of the stores here, Fred, Fred Myers, yeah, everything is so cheap here. I'm like, you can get four breads, four loaf of breads for like five bucks. You can get one for $6 in Hawaii. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to buy food here and ship it to Hawaii. Of course, they kill you on the shipping. That's why it's so expensive. But my children, uh, let me just say this. I have two boys. Uh, one is 27 and one is uh, 20. He's going to be turning 21 this week. Yeah, June 4th, he turns 21. And my son Jordan, he's at the Art Institute in Portland. Uh, here's, this is going to blow your mind if the 27-year-old child didn't. I have three grandchildren. Okay, stick with me, stick with me, okay? Uh, so I have three grandchildren. One is five, one is three, one is, well, one years old. And they love 
cereal. These guys can eat cereal for days. Some of you can too. And we went to Fred Meyer's and we saw cereal for $3.88. And Heidi and I look at each other. We're saying, we should buy this stuff and take it back with us. It's so cheap here. And so we buy some food. We go to the uh, self-checkout because it's faster, right? (laughs) Supposedly faster. So I I don't want to go there. I want to go through the regular checkout. But Heidi says, no, let's go to the self-checkout. I said, okay. So we're buying food. And, you know, okay, I, I, I love to use my imagination. I'm just like that. So I imagine I'm working there. So I say, yeah, how are you doing, man? How are things going today? You look great. You look really great. So I'm putting the food in a beep, and you put it in the bag, and they bag it so good. If you work at the grocery store, you guys got talent. So they're putting, I'm putting the food in, and as I'm scanning the things, uh, I put the cherries on the, the, the thing, and it's not the price that Heidi wants it at. She says, oh, I thought it was cheaper. I don't want that. And in my head, I'm thinking, you should have thought about that earlier. I work here, so now my line is going to be backed up, and now I've got to call the manager, and I've got to rechange this. So I say, okay, I'm, so I want to return it. And this is my first day of working. I'm in training, so I don't know how this thing works. So I'm trying to, so I, I put it back on, and the thing says, please put it back on top of the scanner. So I put it back on the scanner, and now it charges us again. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to charge it. So I'm, I'm pressing buttons, and then it says, Please wait. An assistant has been notified to help you. I'm like, oh, great. Now the manager has to come. My first day, I might get fired. So (laughs) the lady comes, and she helps us, and then we put the things in, and it's $56. Now, with that amount of groceries in Hawaii, it would be probably close to 100 So I'm already blown away. $56. So I have a 10 and a 1. Heidi has the rest. And so I'm putting in the 10. She gives me the 20. Now, I'm an impatient person. They need to develop machines that you can just throw it in and not have the It's like, ah, oh, crinkled, and you have to iron it. So I, I put it in, and she doesn't give me a five for the $56. She gives me five ones because the weight in your purse, right? right, women? You want to get rid of your change. You want to get rid of your dollar bills. You want to get rid of all the weight. You want to get rid of your husband. So I'm trying to put this in. It's taking forever, and I'm dying. I'm like, come on. we're finally done and we go out of the store I'm happy because we're done I get to Pastor Ron's house and I come out of the car and I said hey we just went to that Fred Meyer store and that self checkout he goes you made a mistake didn't you I said yeah he goes I hate that thing (laughs) I don't use it I quit using that long ago I said yeah me too I quit I quit the store too my first day of work I quit And it was interesting to find out that even though we may make those kinds of, you know, petty mistakes, it irritates us when it happens. And even in life, when we make those small little mistakes, oh, it gets to us. When our spouse makes a mistake, oh, it gets to us. My wife locked her keys in the car one time. And I said, Heidi, how how did you do that? Like, that's husbands. We're we're investigators. And I said, "How, how did you lock the key in the car? She goes, I don't know. I just went out of the car. I closed the door, and I, when I went to the, the coffee shop, and then I came back, I'm thinking, where are my keys? And I said, you know, here's what you got to do, Heidi. This is what husbands do. <laughs> and the wife was like, wah, 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 wah. She said, I said, when you, when you get in the car, 
and, and you're done, and you turn off the, the car, take the key out, look at it, and look at it going into your purse. And take your purse with you. Oh, put it in your pocket. She says, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, you know, mistake. I said, okay, just, that's what you got to do. So that week, we go to the beach. And I, she says, oh, can you get the towels out of the trunk? I said, sure. I get the towels out of the trunk, and I close the trunk. If I didn't see the keys in the trunk as I'm closing it, no! <laughs> like, oh, no. How am I going to do this? Okay, I got to be calm. I got to be calm. How, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, how am I going to say this to Heidi? Oh, I just told her. I lectured her about the keys. So, I'm, so I said, okay, I, I got it. I got it. And do this kind of casually. I said, hey, Heidi, I got the towels. Here's the towels and things. I go, hey, do you have the spare key? She goes, no, I have, it's at home. Why? I said, no, I was just wondering, you know, just in case, you know, <laughs> things happen. And she goes, did you lock the key in the car? I said, no, not, not in the car. Well, why would I lock the key in the car? Who does that? Not me. Yeah. She goes, you locked the keys in the car, didn't you? I said, no. Okay, see, what happened was when, 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 I, was grabbing, when I was grabbing the towels, I put the key down to grab the towels, the one you told me to grab. Hopefully, she would say, oh, it's my fault, but she didn't. <laughs> so I grabbed the towels out. And I said, and then I closed it, and as, as I'm closing it, because, you know, it's a heavy trunk, it kind of went down, and I saw the keys, and she goes, ah, oh, that's okay, you know what we can do, we can call so-and-so, and we can get the keys. And, and full of grace, she said, oh, yeah, I can just grab the keys, you know, spare key, and no big deal. Because you wives know that it's easier not to say something, and it's more painful if you don't say anything, but you give us that look, the look of, I was right. And you were wrong. You lectured me. Now your own lecture is killing you. So I don't need to say anything. But for bonus, you do. So Heidi said, you, you know what? You know, you know what you should do? Before you get out of the car, you should just look at the key. And she's smiling. She's loving this moment. I created the orchestra playing. Dun, 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 dun. And put the key in your pocket. Dun, 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 dun. I said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I felt horrible because I made that mistake. She felt great that I made that mistake. It's like now we're even. I think mistakes in life will come and go. We will have mistakes in life. We're going we're gonna to make decisions that, that rob us of joy. We're going to make decisions that take away even passion. When was the last time you were enthusiastic about something you should be enthused about? When was the last time? Or do you just live by routine now? There's a scripture in the Bible. It's found in the book of Revelation. If you want to turn there, chapter 2. We also have the notes in your bulletin that you can take out. It'll help you to follow along. But there's a church that Jesus addresses. It's the church of Ephesus. Some of us know this story or how Jesus addressed this church. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. 
And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. It sounds good up until this point. And then let's read this together. Revelation 2, verse 4. It's up here. Ready? Go. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Did you know that you can actually leave what you first loved? You can leave that. You may still love it, but you've left it. Like there's no more passion anymore for that which was new. Heidi is my first love. We've been together for 30 years, been married for 23. We met when we were, I was 12 years old, she was 13. Now here's where you're going to put everything together. I was 15 years old and she was 16 years old when we had our first son. It was the most difficult time of life. And then we found Jesus. That changed everything. It renewed our passion for life. It gave me a bigger picture for life. It helped me to really think about what the future could look like rather than being in a situation that we made a choice in that caused us to really think about what life is going to be like. And although a difficult season, thank God that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. That we had hope now because we knew he had a plan and a future for us. And because we've been together that long, it's so easy to know one another. You know, you've, if you've been married for years, you, you get to know each other, but we're still learning. And the one thing that keeps us together is that God continues to give us passion, not just for each other, but for our family. And God can do that. Some of us have lost patience. Some of us are on our way of losing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, passion. Some of us are on our way of gaining passion once again. But nonetheless, it goes away sometimes. And how do we regain that? See, everyone can find passion for life once again by making some critical life-changing choices. And here's the first one. If you want to write this down or just remember this, you've got to visualize your life. To visualize your life. If, we, if we're able to visualize our life, who we want to be, where we want to be, how our family wants to be or how we want our family to be, how we want our marriages to be, how do we want our work environment to be? Because that's one of the difficult things that we find on Monday morning. It's, ah, it's Monday morning, I gotta go to work. Or you, it's like you get yourself ready to go to work. And it's not just the physical where you prepare your clothing, you prepare your heart, you prepare your mind, you prepare your soul because you're going to enter into your workplace. And if it's a workplace that you don't enjoy, even that much more difficult. If it's a workplace that you do enjoy, then continue to spread that joy. Continue to be that light that God calls us to be. You may ask yourself, am I at a, am I at a different place than I was last year? Am I better than I was last year? Not in comparison to people but just with the life that God has given to me. Am, am, I, am I different than I was last year? When was, the last, when was the last time you reflected about life, about your personal life, your personal walk with the Lord, your, your, your relationships, your children, your grandchildren? When, when did you last reflect on where I am in life? See, if we're able to visualize our life, then we're able to kind of pinpoint certain areas that we can say, Lord, this is exactly where I need help in. 
Rather than to just say, Lord, help me in my life. You can say, Lord, I need more patience with my spouse. I'm so impatient with her or him. Help me when I drive. Because when I drive, you know, it's just everyone is horrible. Everyone is bad. Why do we have all these bad drivers here? Just let them move away. Lord, help me with my patience. You can be specific. Lord, help me with my relationship with my son or daughter, my words. If we're able to visualize our life, now we're able to see what God sees from beginning to end. We may not be able to predict, but we're able to at least respond to God and say, okay, here are some areas I feel you ask, you're asking me to do better in. Where do I want to go from here? At what point did I do something that I know, okay, I'm, I, I got to do better with that. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to receive forgiveness. I need to give forgiveness. It was at this point that I said some hurtful words to my spouse. I got I to gotta, I gotta do right with that as quick as possible. I can't let this time go by. I got to do this now. When you visualize your life, things matter rather than pushing them on the side or brushing them under the rug. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. It says, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one lacking sense. I saw that it was overgrown with thorns. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I love sleep. I, I really do. But Heidi loves sleep even more. I told Heidi the other week, I'm going to take a quick power nap, 15 minutes. She goes, 15 minutes? Power nap? My power nap is three hours. I'm like, three hours? That's my regular sleep time. Now, I'm not a morning person and I'm not a night person, but I will get up early and I will sleep late. But I do love my sleep. But did you know that you don't need to love sleep to go to sleep? You don't need to love your favorite food to eat. It will happen whether you love it or not. You don't need love to sleep. You just need to be sleep deprivated or sleep deprived. You can try your very best to stay up. I got to stay up. I got to stay up. And you just, you'll, you'll go to sleep. Because your body says you need sleep. You can say, well, I don't love this food anymore, so I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat food anymore. I don't love food. You can even make that decision. You're going to eat. Because your body says you need food. You don't need love for certain things. But we do need love for our relationship with the Lord. When this person says, I have... I have learned this lesson, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. That word, I learned this lesson, means correction. In other words, I received correction. I corrected myself. I let correction teach me. See, I think some of us think, oh, well, if I do something wrong, then God is going to correct me. Not necessarily. You don't need to do something wrong to be corrected. Some of you golf. I know Pastor Ron golfs. I went golfing with him one time, and I have fun golfing because I don't really know how to golf. All I know is this. When I hit the ball, it doesn't land where I want it to. It's in the wrong place. Now, I can look at the ball down there and say, what are you doing? That's the wrong place to land. You're supposed to be closer to the flag. You're supposed to be this way. 
But it's not where the ball lands that is at fault. It's really at the point of contact. You can be a degree off, and if you are, you're way off down there. And so it is with correction. It may not be because you did something wrong. It's just at the point of contact, God is saying, here's where you are in life. It's just, it's just correct here. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't sin. It's just, I see you five years from now, but you just need to correct here. You're not wrong in it. It's just adjust here. You're doing well in your marriage, but I see you a little one degree off. But five years down the road, you're going to be distant. Just right here. Start dating again. Go out on your date nights. Go out and have the finances. Just go drive. I don't have gas. Well, go walk. There are no excuses when it comes to God. I'm telling you, when he says to do something, he will provide all the resources necessary. I walk by that field and I learn this lesson. See, you, you know you've lost passion for life. When life becomes more of a duty than it is a joy. You know you've lost passion in your marriage when you just stay married rather than really work on your marriage and love one another or your family. I love this story. It's a tale of a great English actor. A well-known preacher once said to him, I wish you would explain to me something. Oh, what is it? I don't know if I can explain anything to a preacher. Well, what is the reason between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction, and the crowds come wherever you go. I, on the other hand, I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth, and I am not getting any crowds at all at my church. The actor smiled and responded, this is quite simple. I can tell you the difference between you and me. While I present my fiction, I present it as if it were truth. You, on the other hand, you present your truth as though it were fiction. You, my friend, lack passion. And I wonder if we lack passion. Not necessarily that we don't know the truth in our lives or the truths of God, but we just lack passion. And so by the time we're in our marriage or in our family or even in our workplace, people look at us and say, you have God in you, but you're just like me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. See, when God gives us something like joy or even passion, he will always refill you when you begin to run low. But we've got to visualize our life. There are some things that we're not passionate about, like work and, uh, or, or washing dishes or washing clothes or cleaning house or washing the car. There are some things we're not passionate about, but we do it because we must. God gave us a love for him and for people. It comes from him. It's a choice. We don't have to love God. We get to love God. It's a privilege. That's why it's important to, here's the second thing, connect with Jesus by choice. It's a choice. 
We connect with him by choice. If we don't connect with Jesus, we will automatically, by default, connect with any other thing that makes us feel good. That's why we go down wrong paths because, one, we feel we deserve it. We feel that, well, I, you know, I work hard so I can do this. I've done this. I, you know, I've, I've worked hard in all my years so I, I deserve this. I've been nice to you so I deserve this. And so we go down paths we would never go down. But because we're lacking passion or we're not connecting to Christ, we, we find it somewhere else. We try to refuel ourselves by some other means and Christ says, that's not the best place to get your passion from because it's not going to last. I am your source. I will refuel you. And the things that we may not be passionate about, those things really drag us down. There's a story of Mary and Martha in the book of Luke. Some of us know this story. But they invited Jesus to their home and Mary and Martha, sisters, they get the house prepared for Christ. You know how we do when people are coming over? You clean everything. It's not like that. Your house is not that nice. It's not that clean. But because you have a guest, clean everything. Clean the bathroom. Oh, we can't clean that room. Close the door. Lock it. Just don't let them see. So we clean everything. Well, that's what Mary and Martha was doing. So they were cleaning the home and getting things prepared. Well, Jesus comes over and Mary sits down at the feet of Jesus. Martha is getting everything prepared. She sees her sister sitting down and then becomes a little frustrated. So she, she says to Jesus, Jesus, can you tell my sister to help me? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're so consumed and distracted with so many things. But Mary, she's not. She's sitting at my feet. Luke 10, 42, Jesus says, there's, there's only one thing that is needed. Only one thing. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was connecting with Jesus. That's where she got her feel from. It was the Lord, that good, that, that, that phrase where it says that good, Jesus uses, means pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy. In other words, what he was saying to Martha is, right now, you need this. You don't need to get all those things prepared. That's not going to make you happy. You think it's going to make you happy. You think getting everything prepared and clean and organized is going to make you happy, but it don't last. This does. Because the moment that is out of order, there goes your joy. There goes your happiness. But Mary has chosen the good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. That good part a part of as a distinct from the whole. So Jesus is saying, there's all of this, but there's one part that's distinct from the entire picture that is happening right now. And Mary has chosen that good part. See, there are many things that are going to drain us because we're not passionate about it. And because there are many needs or to-dos or tasks, one thing is needed. And when you choose that part, that good part, it will not be taken away from you. People can take away many things from us, but they can never take away our relationship with the Lord. They can try their very best, and they can take away things away from us, but they can't take away our relationship with the Lord. It's that powerful of a relationship. And it's God who gives us our purpose and passion, but we've got to sit at his feet 
so that we can honor him. And in doing so, our passion is refueled. I love the story about eight-year-old Cindy who hated cleaning the kitchen. Well, her mother would cringe just to ask Cindy for help. Well, one night, they had Mrs. Middlebrook come over for dinner, Cindy's Sunday school teacher. Cindy loved being in Mrs. Middlebrook's class. Well, dinner was wonderful. They had pot roast, they had fresh made potatoes, and fresh cut salad, buttermilk biscuits, and fresh baked apple pie a la mode. Well, when dinner was finally done, as Mrs. Middlebrook and Cindy's mother talked, Cindy got up, cleaned the table, washed the dishes, and put everything away, and sat back down at the table. Well, Cindy's mother was wondering, wow, she, she loves doing the dishes now. I'm so thankful. And as Cindy was sitting next to her, she said, Cindy, I noticed you cleaned up and you did the dishes. So do you love washing dishes now? She says, oh, no, I still hate it. But Mrs. Middlebrook was here, and she always told me to honor your parents. And I just wanted to honor you in front of Mrs. Middlebrook. (laughs) You may not have a passion for something, but I tell you, when you're trying to be honoring to God, he gives it. He gives it. Because you're trying to be honoring to your Lord. John 15, verse 5, it says, You are the branches, I am the vine. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That word nothing means indirect questions expecting an affirmative answer. You, you can't, in other words, not have something that normally would be there, but because it's severed, it doesn't happen. You can stay as long as possible near the end of the vine where the fruit is supposed to be, but if it's cut here, not going to happen. Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. You might say, well, I just have no passion at all. Or I, I used to have passion. I used to be passionate for music or poetry. I used to be passionate about my family or my loved ones or, or my relationships. I used to be passionate about church or people, but I don't have that anymore. It's gone. I don't know where to even go from here. Well, not only will you connect with Jesus to make that happen, but here's the last thing. Ask the Lord for a renewed passion. Ask him. He said, ask and you shall receive. Is it that simple? That is simple. Asking is hard. Asking is very difficult because your faith must be involved. If you just say, okay, Lord, while I'm asking you for passion, give me passion for my husband because (laughs) I don't have passion. I don't know if the Lord would say, oh, sure. Look how willing you are. Ask. For a renewed passion. Let me continue in the book of Revelation because after, after Jesus says that you have left your first love, he says, Remember therefore where you have fallen. Remember. He says, You gotta remember. In other words, remember what it was like. Remember at that point where things went bad. Remember at that point where you lost your passion. Then he says, Repent and do the first works. Repent. Change your mind. Change the way you think. Change direction and head straight towards me. Repent. Do the things you did at first, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And he says it again, unless you repent. He's saying there is a chance. There is an opportunity. 
He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. See, if God is able to create within us a passion for something, he is also able to restore that passion when it becomes dry and empty. If God was capable to give you a passion for your marriage or your family or ministry or life, he is still capable to renew it because he never changes. We change, but he never changes. Our four square scripture, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. We do. But we can go back to him who never changes to renew our passion. This is how God speaks to those who come to him. John 1, 13. They are reborn. They're reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. He can renew our passion. It comes from him. It's not going to be just because life shifts. It's because of the Lord. Maybe you've been noticing that things have been different between you and your spouse or your children or people. Maybe you've lost passion. And maybe you've noticed it. Maybe you feel distant. And maybe you're going through a season of life and you're thinking, what is going on? What's happening with myself? I don't know what I'm going through. There's something that's not there. Ask the Lord to renew your passion. And yes, our bodies go through many chemical changes, and that will happen in life. But it doesn't mean we don't go and ask the Lord for a renewed passion. He can do wonders. You may still function from day to day, but you no longer have passion. Sam and Harry had been friends since childhood. And one day, while they were eating breakfast, they shared about their kids, their grandchildren, and their marriages. Sam... Sam said, well, things are going great. Harry, on the other hand, said, things are not going so well. I have no passion in my marriage, no passion with my children, no passion with me or life itself. Sam said, well, Harry, you you believe in God, don't you? And and Harry said, yeah, I I do. Sam said, well, why don't you ask him to revive whatever is dead in your life? And Harry said, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Well, a couple of days went by, and they both were at a friend's party. Sam saw Harry having a blast, dancing and singing and having fun with his friends. Sam came up to Harry and said, Hey, Harry, I I noticed you're different. I've been watching you play and dance and even singing on the karaoke machine, buddy. Did Did you ask God to renew your passion? He said, Yeah, I did. I asked. Do you think it worked? Do you think God renewed your passion? Harry said, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't know if he did. But I will live as if he did. I'll live that way. See, I wonder if when we ask God, we ourselves ruin our own answered prayers. Maybe we need to ask God for a renewed passion. Teach me. As Psalm 119, verse 40 says, I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. And if the Lord is able to give us a new life, a new day, a new year, tell me he's not able to give us renewed passion. 
I want to give you this word as a proclamation, as a declaration, as a, as, a, as a word given to you this morning from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 and 20. That God is saying, for I am about to do something new. He says, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me and jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make waters in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Ask him to renew your passion for whatever it is. It could be even a a hobby or, or something that you love to do. You may even question if he answered your prayer or not. It doesn't matter if you think he answered your prayer or not. You live as if he did. Now, I, I really enjoy art. I really do. And sometimes I lose a passion for art. We just recently went to Disneyland because if you're in Anaheim, you must at least make a way there. And so I bought this book. I love Big Hero 6. This just came out from Pixar and Disney. But because I, I enjoy art, I, I buy these books to inspire me to renew that passion. And sometimes I'll draw something and I use it as part of my ministry and I'll give it to children. I'll bless families and things like that. But I'll open this book and it just helps me because I can see the details of everything. I can see the colors that they use. I can see how they made certain uh, backgrounds and even when they start developing characters and I can see where they began and then how it ended up. They didn't start off the best, but then it ended up even that much better. And so I used this book to inspire me for art. If you want to be inspired by life, open the Bible. Get into his word. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads for a moment. And maybe this is our response to the Lord. Something in your heart has been stirring. And maybe at this point you're saying, Lord, there are things in my life that I want to do better. There are things that I'm not passionate about anymore. But boy, I, I want this renewed passion again in my marriage, for my family, for life. I don't just want to exist. I want to, I want to live on purpose with purpose. I want to make a conscious decision to connect with you. I don't just want to attend church. Make me the church. I want to be more like you, Christ. Lord, that's our prayer today, that we would not just visualize our life, but that we would connect with you, that we would renew our passion with you, that we would ask you right now that you would renew our passion. You can say it in your heart right now, Lord, renew my passion in this area. Lord, that's our heart's cry. Help us to renew our passion, not just so that we can have passion, but so that we can look and speak and be more like you. Because in the end, Lord, that's what we're most passionate about, that we would glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. We all said, amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. 
Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope. 